Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, Wealth Strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. If you're listening to most economists, I think the consensus is that there's better than a 50-50 shot. The odds are better than 50-50 now that the U.S. economy goes into recession either in 2022 or 2023. Welcome to the Best New Ideas in Money, a podcast from MarketWatch. I'm Stephanie Kelton. I'm an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University. And I'm Charles Passy, a reporter at MarketWatch. Each week, we explore innovations in economics, finance, technology, and policy that rethink the way we live, work, spend, save, and invest. There's been a lot of news about inflation lately and about whether we are entering a recession or whether we've already arrived. Fortunately, it just so happens that I'm sitting right next to somebody who might have some thoughts about that. Yeah, who might that be? Stephanie, this has to be one of the most interesting moments in recent memory to be an economist. Oh, you better believe it. So what are the biggest questions people are asking you these days? The first is, how is the Fed planning to bring down inflation? And we all know that the Fed has been raising interest rates, and that is, by and large, how the central bank is trying to fight inflation. And the big question that's related to that is, can the Fed raise interest rates, bring down inflation, and avoid pushing the economy into recession? So the risk may be that in trying to solve one problem, inflation, the Federal Reserve could create a more serious one? The concern is that if the Fed is too aggressive with raising interest rates, this increases the cost of borrowing for consumers. It makes it more expensive to borrow money to buy a home, buy a car, put things on your credit card. If you're a business that relies on borrowing to cover some of your own costs, it makes it more expensive to conduct business. And what a lot of people are worried about is that the central bank, by raising interest rates, is going to create a lot of headwinds for the economy that is in a recovery or has been in a recovery. And the risk is that the recovery goes from an economic expansion, the recovery phase of the business cycle, into contraction, into the recessionary part of the business cycle. On July 28th, the Commerce Department reported that the U.S. economy shrank for the second quarter in a row. And two consecutive quarters of negative real GDP growth is the shorthand definition of a recession. That means, adjusting for inflation, the economy is actually starting to produce less. Stephanie, if inflation was the story of the summer, recession might be the story of the fall. Is it possible that we're already in a recession? It's possible. And there are some very good economists out there who are arguing and have been arguing that the U.S. may well have entered a recession in the last part of 2021 or the early part of 2022. So we won't know for sure until the committee that is responsible for telling us officially when the economy goes into recession, that's the NBER or the National Bureau of Economic Research, they will ultimately be the ones to tell us. Now, the funny thing is, I mean, in a sense, it's funny, in a sense, it's not funny. They very often will tell us that we have gone into recession a year or even more than a year after the recession officially started. 
Now, why is that? Well, because they're looking at a variety of factors, and it is a committee decision to look at the economic landscape to try to, in a sense, read all of the tea leaves. And it gets harder the more mixed the economic picture is. And that's kind of where we are today. You have you know, a smattering of economic data that look pretty good that point to resilience in the economy, in the labor market, in retail sales and so forth. And then you have to weigh that against where you see some softening and say, okay, things appear to be cooling in housing, consumer spending, sentiment, bad debt write-offs when those start to pick up and you see people starting to miss a few payments, businesses starting to worry about the robustness of demand going forward and all that sort of stuff. So they're looking at the whole picture and then they have to come together and decide whether and when to call it sufficiently gloomy that it merits giving it the name recession. Well, Stephanie, I have to ask, where do you think we are today? Would I call this a recession? Well, I gave a talk recently, and the subtitle of the talk was The Tale of Four Recessions. And I opened with the recession of 2001, followed by the recession of 2007 to 2009, and then the 2020 recession. The fourth one, that story has yet to be written. So I put on the slide 202X, where... The value of X is the question. Is X2? Is it 2022? Is X3? 2023? I think that right now, if you're listening to leaders in the business community, CEOs and others, if you're listening to investors, if you're listening to most economists, I think the consensus is that there's better than a 50-50 shot. The odds are better than 50-50 now that the U.S. economy goes into recession either in 2022 or 2023. There aren't as many voices saying we're going to completely avoid recession, and it's not on the horizon. So the question is, is X2 or is X3? And it won't surprise me at all to learn that X was 2. When the time comes and NBER gives us the official word, if they tell us that the economy went into recession this year, I will not be surprised at all. There seems to be an intense focus on the Fed, what the Fed should do, what it shouldn't do. But what else are you following? There's so much attention being paid to the Federal Reserve and monetary tightening, raising interest rates. Is the Fed going to be the one to push the economy into recession? I think a lot of people are overlooking the extent to which the other policy lever, fiscal policy, has been yanked very, very hard in the direction of an economic slowdown. In other words, the spending that was used to support the economy after the pandemic hit and to provide relief and income support and so forth, that is all dried up. And the deficit is actually falling faster than at any time in US history. We've never had such fiscal contraction before. So what you have are the two policy levers, monetary policy and fiscal policy, both being pulled in a direction of slowdown. And so it's not just the Fed that we ought to be thinking about in terms of the impact of higher interest rates and the potential for that to create a slowdown and a potential recession. But having that work alongside 
pulling the fiscal lever and slowing things down that way as well. So it's that mix of policies that I think a lot of economists see as almost inevitably pushing the economy into recession. How do we know if we're in a recession or not? That's after the break. Stay with us. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Join the Wall Street Journal at the Future of Everything Festival on May 21st to 23rd in New York City, where diverse global newsmakers share unique perspectives on navigating a changing world. Immerse yourself in live performances, explore pioneering technologies, and indulge in the city's inventive culinary scene. As a podcast listener, enjoy 20% off current ticket rates with code PODCAST. Visit wsj.com F-O-E-F podcast to secure your spot. Welcome back to the Best New Ideas in Money. Before the break, we talked about two of the major issues in today's economy, inflation and growing concern that the United States may be headed toward recession. Stephanie, you posed a question at the beginning of the episode. Can the Fed raise interest rates, bring down inflation, and avoid pushing the economy into a recession all at the same time? Yeah, that's the tricky question that everybody is asking. It seems like every week there's a new batch of data data that should shed more light on the dynamics of the present. But does that mean we're getting closer to having some definitive answers? So there are these fierce disagreements among economists about all of this. And on one hand, some people will say, well, it's obvious we're sliding into recession. What in the world are the rest of you looking at? And others will say, wait a minute, how can you be so quick to jump to conclusions? Like, look how many jobs we're creating. Look how low the unemployment rate is. Our first guest is in that latter group. She's among those who say, hang on a minute, even though we've had two consecutive quarters of declining real GDP growth, it doesn't look like a recession to me. My name is Claudia Som, and I am the founder of Som Consulting and a former Federal Reserve economist. I started the Federal Reserve right before the financial crisis in 2008, and my focus was on consumer spending. Som has been having a lot of conversations lately about whether or not we're in a recession, and there's a reason for that. I have a recession indicator that was named after me, the Som rule. And it is a highly accurate indicator that we are within the beginning of a recession. The SOM rule is an indicator, not a predictor. Basically, when the unemployment rate rises by a certain percentage above the low of the prior year, it indicates the economy has entered recession. I developed it because it was part of a policy proposal to send out stimulus checks, relief checks at the beginning of a recession. 
as it turns out, it's gotten a lot more attention lately in its ability to say we're in a recession. And it's based on the labor market, on the unemployment rate. And if it's rising, and right now the unemployment rate is really low and it's not rising. So according to my measure, and it's one the White House has cited and many other people have cited, we're not in a recession. We'll hear more about why Sam believes we're not in a recession in a moment. But first, let's address one of the questions that Stephanie posed at the beginning of the episode. Namely, can the Fed raise interest rates, bring down inflation, and avoid pushing the economy into a recession all at the same time? Broadly speaking, inflation, which is an increase in prices, is caused by there being too much demand and too little supply. The Fed has one tool, it's interest rates. Interest rates are basically the price we pay to borrow, whether it's a house, whether it's on our credit card. They are raising the cost borrowing. And by doing so, making us a little bit poorer. So we don't do that spending. And that's what, you know, is referred to as cooling off demand. Cooling off demand is one way to try to fight inflation. And it's what the Fed is currently doing. When they cool off demand, people buy less stuff. That means there's less customers in the store. Well, then the businesses don't need as many workers. They get laid off and then they spend less, you know, so on and so forth. Now, the Fed is not trying to cause a recession. They're trying to push interest rates up, cool demand, but not do too much. Unfortunately, the inflation data has kept coming in really strong. So the Fed keeps pushing and pushing. At some point, they will break demand. Like consumers will just pull back. That would be a recession. Okay, so that's really bad. A recession is really bad. It's even worse than inflation by a mile. As the economy starts slowing, so consumers are spending less, businesses are investing less, that essentially means for other businesses, there are fewer customers. If you have fewer customers, then you don't need all your workers. So then some workers get laid off or even their hours cut. Your workers get less less take-home pay. And then that means when they go out to spend money, they're going to cut back. It's a domino effect that's not easy to stop. Once this dynamic starts going, often people get really worried that they might be the ones to lose their jobs and they pull back. So this slow kind of the start of people losing their jobs has feedback effects in terms of less spending and more layoffs. And that's how you start small. And once it keeps going, those feedback effects are very hard to interrupt. Remember, it's the National Bureau of Economic Research, or NBER, that determines whether or not the U.S. economy has entered a recession. And although the conventional definition of recession is two consecutive negative quarters of real GDP, there is no consensus among economists or everyone else that we're in a recession already. For Claudia Sam, focusing on whether or not we're in a recession is missing the point. I'm much more worried about, are we headed towards a recession? And if we think we're headed towards one, what are we doing to try to avoid it or preparing for it in ways that we could soften the blow on families and businesses that would really struggle through a recession? I think that's a much, much more important conversation. 
When we talk about fighting inflation, the focus is often on the Fed and the interest rate the Fed sets. But raising interest rates has other effects, and the Fed isn't the only player in the game. And more to the point, there are some things like gas prices and food, which the Fed can't directly influence. It has been the case for a long time that people believe that the Fed is the only game in town on inflation. Their mandates are price stability and maximum employment. So that price stability is about keeping inflation from not getting too high. The Fed thinks it should be around 2%. The Fed absolutely has a responsibility for inflation. That does not mean that no one else can help out. After the Great Recession, it wasn't too long before the Fed was like it. The Congress stepped away. And that, that was a real problem. That was a very slow and painful recovery. And I've heard President Biden, like it has come out of his mouth. Gas prices are high. Food prices are high. The Fed's got this. They're going to fight inflation. And I really, like I gasped because these are exactly the two things. The Fed can't fight. And also, like we shouldn't be expecting them to do it all. This time in particular, because probably about a half or more of the inflation we have right now is due to supply disruptions not enough supply because of COVID or because of Ukraine. And that's exactly the kind of inflation the Fed can't fight. Congress has the ability to do things to address inflation. The Fed doesn't have to go it alone. Over the next few months, it may become clearer whether we've entered, are heading into, or managing to avoid a recession. What will Claudia be looking for? What am I going to be watching? Everything. Truly, the way I was trained, particularly at the Federal Reserve as an economist, every scrap of data is important. I always joke the Federal Reserve was like the Hoover vacuum of data. The other thing that I do, which is somewhat unique for a macroeconomist, is I try to listen to people. I respect the fact that given my training and a PhD and hanging out with hundreds of economists at the Federal Reserve, that I don't always have that connection to the real world. And honestly, that's really important for the work. More to the point, I think, of your question, really at the top of my list is looking at what's happening in the labor market. If it's weakening, and in what ways it's weakening. If it's just job postings, get pulled down. You know, so people have fewer options and they can't move around as much. That can be problematic for workers, but that's very different than losing your job. So I think that's the space that I'm most interested in is everything that touches workers and their opportunities and what's happening in terms of employment. That's my big focus. And I have a feeling that focus is going to be a lot harder to stomach over the coming months. Earlier in the episode, Stephanie mentioned that the committee at NBER, which determines whether or not the U.S. economy is in a recession, could announce that a recession began long after it did begin, meaning that in 2023, for example, the committee could date the beginning of the recession to 2022. If the numbers indicate recession, of course. David Blanchflower, a professor of economics at Dartmouth College, aims to determine whether or not we're in a recession before it actually happens. Blanche Flower previously sat on the Monetary Policy Committee at the Bank of England, the British Central Bank. So what you want to do is try and predict what it is that causes the recession date later to be called by the NBR. And the answer is 
collapse consumer confidence. That's the variable that predicts it. And it has two great characteristics. It predicts six of the last six, and it also doesn't give you a false positive. So there aren't examples where it calls recessions that the NBR doesn't call. So obviously things may change and there's lots of different stuff that's going on. But if you had to pick a single variable, that would be the one you should pick. And at the moment, it looks that they will call recession and they'll probably call it in the start of 2022. So yes, you heard that right. Blanche Flower thinks we're already in a recession. He prefers consumer confidence data to unemployment because unemployment is a lagging indicator. In other words, by the time you see the unemployment rate starting to rise, the recession is already underway. Consumer confidence data, on the other hand, can pick up turbulence in the economy much earlier as consumers begin to sour on the economy. Well, unemployment doesn't move until generally after the actual date of recession. The benefit of these variables, these consumer confidence data, so we look back at 2007, By April, May 2007, the data were predicting that recession was coming. The NBER would eventually announce that the recession began in December of 2007. So are consumers, meaning all of us, the best predictors of recession? So the first thing is, if consumers fear for what's happening in the economy, what do they do? They worry about the price of goods rising. They worry they're going to lose their jobs. So what they do they stop spending. The second thing is we have evidence on what I call the economics of walking about, which is actually people know about what's happening in the world better than policymakers or economic forecasters. So when you say to them, what do you think is going to happen to unemployment in 12 months? They're actually really good at predicting it. They're better than economists are. They're better than forecasters are. And why? Well, because they know what's going on in their local communities. They know what's happening to hiring on the street. So if you ask people, What do you think is going to happen to unemployment? Firstly, they seem to know. But if they think unemployment is going to rise, that impacts their behavior. So the fact that consumer confidence changes, if you are fearful of losing your job, if you're fearful that you're not going to have enough money in the future, what do you do? You hunker down. We asked Blanche Flower what he sees as the strongest argument that the United States is not in a recession. The argument that it's different this time and that the labor market's stronger than you think, and these data are not predictive, and that there will be a soft landing. I cannot prove that that's wrong. It could be that the consumer confidence data are not that good, and that we will not, you know, that if we go into a recession, it will be a relatively shallow one. With that said, Blanche Flower is a firm believer in consumer sentiment as an accurate predictor of recession. We asked Claudia Sam whether she thought the consumer sentiment data was so decisive. I respect that data. It's one of the few cases where I feel like people, I mean, this is in a survey, but they're given the opportunity to talk to us macroeconomists. These are people answering questions about their financial conditions. What do they think? They're answering this question, where's the economy going? And I think it's very important for those of us who are professional forecasters to listen to, or at least consider the views of people who are professionals in living in the real world. So I think there's a lot of use in the sentiment survey. I also know, having worked with it in my policy work at the Fed, the data sometimes are a little, you got to be a little careful interpreting them. You know, people say the darndest things. And it can pick up a lot of how we feel about the world 
in addition to how we feel about our finances. With using consumer sentiment, we were in recessionary or headed to recessionary territory last summer. We've had a year of bad sentiment getting worse, and we're not in a recession. So, I don't know. I mean, but we have really high gas prices. People don't like high gas prices. We have had a pandemic, a war in Europe. We have a lot of partisan politics. Um, voters aren't happy. You've layered all that on, and it's in there that they're unhappy about the economy and inflation. There's more. There absolutely has to be more in there. So I think it's been kind of faking us out a little bit, but the world is bad. And I do think the risks of recessions have risen a lot. Thanks for listening to The Best New Ideas in Money. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a rating or review. And if you have ideas for future episodes, drop us a line at bestnewideasinmoney at marketwatch.com. Thanks to Claudia Somm, David Blanchflower, and Mark Bly. To learn more about recessions, head to marketwatch.com. I'm Stephanie Kelp. And I'm Charles Passy. The Best New Ideas in Money is a podcast from MarketWatch. Melissa Haggerty is the executive producer, and the producers are Katie Ferguson, Meta Lutzhoft, and Michael McDowell. The associate producer for Best Case Studios is Hannah Leibowitz-Lockhart. Additional editing help from Will Stanton. Jeremy Binks is our news editor, and Tim Rostin is the executive editor for MarketWatch. The Best New Ideas in Money theme was composed by Sam Retzer. Stephanie Kelton is an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University and not part of the MarketWatch newsroom. We'll be back next week with another new idea.